Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard and the host of this podcast. Now this episode is looking at the support available to nurses who are experiencing mental distress and suicidal thoughts. Figures from the Laura Hyde Foundation show 226 nurses who contacted the charity's helpline during the pandemic had attempted suicide. In response, the charity launched a free suicide prevention resource, signposting emergency staff to support. So emergency staff being nurses, police and fire service personnel, among other staff. The charity was set up by the family of Royal Navy nurse Laura Hyde, who died by suicide in 2016. Today I'm here with Liam Barnes, Laura's cousin and the chair of the foundation in her name. Hi Liam and welcome to the podcast. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for your time. So I'd like to begin by really asking about Laura and how the work of this charity means so much to you. So can you tell listeners about the kind of person that Laura was? Sure. Um, So Laura was essentially the perfect nurse, I would say, Uh, incredibly selfless, um, cared about so many people, um, but didn't really make time for herself. Um, she was also the, the the life and soul of the parties. Um, she had a very particular laugh that you would hear throughout the corridors at Derriford mm-hmm. Hospital. Um, and I think that's a really, really good um, sign that actually we were completely unaware as a family that Laura was struggling. Um, and, uh, and and actually a lot of her colleagues and her friends were completely stunned uh, when she did take her own life simply because she they thought that she was the furthest thing from it. So it's definitely an invisible kind of condition to a lot, a lot of people, which is where the education and the greater awareness comes from. But Laura, yeah, essentially the perfect nurse um, and uh, was always putting others in front of herself and, uh, and obviously just didn't make time for herself. And how how does this this lead to the setting up of of the charity? Effectively, a response to the grieving process. Really, mm-hmm. um, we uh, with Laura um, passing away in twenty sixteen, um, we struggled for a long time and probably continue to struggle with it today. But in twenty eighteen, we made a decision myself and and the wider family that we wanted to ensure that no one else had to experience what Laura went through and equally supporting the colleagues that have lost Laura, the friends and the family as well, um, knowing the experience firsthand. So we effectively in 2018 decided to do something um, in her name and make sure that her legacy continues and ensure that others uh, uh, you know, get access to the support that Laura unfortunately didn't uh, manage to get access to herself. So uh, the Laura Hyde Foundation was born and, and obviously we've now got to a stage where we're supporting lots and lots of people on their mental health journey and, and uh, we are focusing on some very critical topics, especially around suicide prevention. Mm, mm. And it obviously helps you as a family, you, you say it's part of the, the grieving process. Definitely. Um, I think one of the things that our experiences give us is an authentic approach to um, this 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 challenge, let's say, uh, that that's a lot of frontline workers are being experiencing, especially nurses. We, we are not in this for um, uh, PR. We are not in this for um, a fashionable approach to mental health. We take this very, very personally because this is something we know that the impacts can cause. And and, and therefore, we, we are very uh, um, open to providing the support that people need 
but it is becomes a personal mission for us because it is all in Laura's name and we need to ensure that whatever support we provide adheres to Laura's principle and you know from a selfish perspective is the greatest legacy to her name as well that will always be the case and that will always continue to drive us to do more and continue to help more people yeah indeed that comes comes across for sure and all, all you do and can you tell us a bit more about the kind of support that the charity offers and also to to who i know nurses are one of the groups but there are also other emergency staff as well of course so we we provide, effectively are a mental health support hub for uh, all emergency services whether that's anyone working in the nhs and the variety of roles that sit in there uh, but also public and private healthcare workers social care workers police fire paramedics ambulance staff and so forth so if, uh, as well as medical students as well in terms of our future generation of our medical pro professionals so effectively it's it's pretty widespread as you would see each of those cohorts of people provide their own challenges they're exposed to different risks and they're exposed to different traumas that all create a bit of a cocktail that we need to overcome as a charity um that uh i think there are lessons between each of those co cohorts so what works for nurses can work for others but equally nursing community can also benefit from some of the initiatives that are happening in the police uh, space or the fire space and so forth so we are able to assess things at a really holistic level and get the best uh, possible support for for the people that we want to to, to provide to so um, we provide a number of different factors we offer cl uh, free clinical consultancy to employers so that's uh, developing well-being strategies making sure that the right levels of support and the right level of operational models are in place to ensure that people know where to turn that the, the right level of signposting is in place for staff and the right institutional change, whether it be policies, whether it be uh, certifications and make and training are all available to the people within, within that workplace. Secondly, data is so crucial to maintaining a proactive uh, approach to mental health support rather than reactive. Now, um, most of the work that's out there at the moment where you can go and ring up a support line and you can go and get some fantastic support is a reactive approach. And absolutely, um, that's something we participate in and I'll talk about more of that in more depth. But to change this long term, there is more work that needs to be done in understanding the scale of the problem, the reasons why this is happening and understanding the red flags that we can uh, act upon in order to make sure that someone doesn't end up as a statistic in the suicide um, world. So a lot of our focus using our day jobs um, is around data activation, understanding and making sure that we are giving people tools to do more and do better at the right times. And then lastly, I've mentioned we provide reactive support. So we're very, very proud of this. It's a great, fantastic legacy to Laura that we offer um, free mental health support for anybody that requires it in the emergency services. So what that means is we offer EMDR, CBT, psychotherapy, coaching, mindfulness courses, even creative therapies such as journaling, animal based therapies and so forth. It's effectively a hub that uh, means that uh, depending on your personal circumstances, depending on your personal condition and your personality traits, we have a, an option that could work for you. Um, that is provided by uh, very trusted partners that we work with and help fund and help support and generate awareness for. So effectively, you land on our webpage um, under the Getting Help section and we provide signposting to those partners where you can sign up for free and access support to as much as you absolutely need without um, any hesitation. And I'm pleased to say 
day at the moment we offer 26,000 hours each and every month of free mental health support for any emergency service worker that, uh, that requires it. Mm. And how have you got the funding for that? Is is that through the charity itself? Um, I, th I think probably this demystifies um, a lot of stuff that's going on there, out there at the moment. We've actually done this by our story. So actually, from an overhead perspective in expense, this actually isn't that expensive. Yes, there are costs in terms of the platforms. Yes, there are costs in order to make sure that there is a clinical governance approach to all of the support that we provide. But we, 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 our overheads deliberately as a charity are very, very low. Um, you know, we don't take a penny out of the charity to cover admin style costs. We, we only, um, our funding only goes back to directly supporting stuff that's outlined in our strategy. So research grants for more proactive um, uh, mental health support, um, funding for our partners who provide the support uh, in a reactive capacity, and then also awareness campaigns to in order to make sure that other people are aware of the services that we provide. So all things like website hosting, um, posting, packaging, all comes from the pocket of the trustees themselves, which makes a, a very unique situation where we make the money that we so valuably uh, appreciate from all of our supporters work to the to the to the nth degree, really. And we're incredibly lucky as a charity, right? We we've got some amazing supporters, people that run run marathons and. Uh, uh, do bake sales and do crazy challenges that that inspire us every single day. Yet, you know, if they raise 50 quid for us, fantastic. We'll make that 50 quid cover uh, 10 people on a creative journaling course. If they raise more, great, we can do more fantastic stuff with it. So we, we are a charity that's been set up to maximise the money that we earn, but also ensure that our supporters get the biggest bang for their buck in terms of all the effort they do to support us. Mm, yeah. Thank you. And what, and what have you noticed about the need for your services since um, COVID-19 emerged? Well, I think there's been an increase. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's 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 safe to say. Um, but what I would say on record is that a lot of these problems that we deal with not necessarily been a direct result of COVID. I think there's been a, a number of issues that have been there for a long, long time. Um, I think COVID has uh, uh, accelerated a lot of this into the public domain. Uh, I actually think that um, one positive thing out of COVID is, is a level of acknowledgement of the great work that our frontline NHS do. I'm not going to call them heroes because I know everyone hates that and I certainly <laughs> hate it because it brings pressure to everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a greater education from the public and also um, some of the, the, the experiences that they account, which can only be a good thing in terms of changing the culture. But rest assured, this has been here for a long, long time environmental issues such as uh, long working hours, um, uh, not adhering to crisis and rest days, um, yeah, lack, yeah, lack of em employees in pace, um, you know, working conditions that don't define the optimum working environment. All of these have been factors for a long, long time. But um, through COVID, we've seen definitely an acceleration of medical students coming to support uh, for our support because they've been put on the front line probably a little bit before they should have been. And you couple that with the fact that their education over the past 18 months has been a complete and utter mind scramble. You know, remote learning, not being able to take exams, missing the, the, the camaraderie that comes with their learning experiences. It's been all hands to the pump. So definitely an acceleration of um, take up of our support services. I think we did a we released some statistics that in December 2019 uh, compared to December 2020, we've seen a 435 percent rise of people taking up our support services. 
Um, I think that's down to uh, COVID, but it's also down to a greater awareness of who we are as an organisation. So, um, it, but but certainly, complexity of problems are becoming a bit more widespread, and the volume as well. Mm-hmm. And and just for the clarity of listeners, when you refer to medical students, you're you're also including nursing students, aren't you? Absolutely, so, yes. Yeah, yes. so it could be it could be junior doctors, or it could be, sorry, yeah, it could be training up, doctors, and that yeah, nursing students. Yeah, thank you. Um, so really, I mean. What should someone do if they are experiencing suicidal thoughts or what should a colleague do if they suspect that someone is in that that level of distress? Um, I mean, ultimately, if if you're feeling suicidal, you need to go and get immediate help, right? So um, if you're feeling like you want to die, it's important, incredibly important to tell someone. it's it, help and support is available um, from many, many different options and our suicide prevention uh, booklet that we've made available uh, details a lot of this stuff. You do not have to struggle with these difficult feelings alone. So w- there are many, many resources out there that you can talk to, whether it be listening services such as the Samaritans, Papyrus for the younger generation, Calm, um, Silence of Suicide as well. But there's also a number of other sort of specialist suicide prevention resources, such as Child Death Helpline, which has been particularly valuable for paediatric nurses that are uh, struggling to cope with uh, child loss in the job. Um, For uh, Nightline is a particular student focused um, uh, suicide prevention. So they understand a little bit more of the pressures, let's say, that young people are under especially in that kind of nursing community. Um, there are people who, uh, there are support groups such as Facing the Future that are, who are bereaved by suicide, who have lost people to suicide, which is, you know, as as we have experienced as a family, can be incredibly hard. And 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 you need to make sure that you, you go and access the support so you don't do this alone. Um, I would encourage, you know, there is no shame in this. Uh, but it's important to go and get help. But if you're worried about someone, again, if there's someone in immediate danger of taking their own life, well, you really need to instigate emergency services, ask for an ambulance, take them to A&E. They will decide whether they need to be admitted or not, but you need to give the, that staff as much information as possible to make the right call. They are experts and 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 they need to be given that information to do so. But I think it's important to understand the situation. You know, people will think of suicide for many different reasons. It could be difficult life events. It could be misusing drugs or alcohol. It could be an existing mental health condition such as depression or schizophrenia or 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 even a physical health condition, which is just starting to um, uh, impact their life. And, you know, they may just feel like this because they want to escape what they feel is an impossible situation to just simply deal with unbearable thoughts or feelings or to relieve physical pain or incapacity should there be physical issues so um you know what what you need to do you need to let them know that you care about them they're not alone you need to empathize with them you could say something like you know i can't imagine how painful this is for you but i'd like to try and understand and certainly be non-judgmental certainly don't criticize or blame them Repeat the words back to them in your own words. This shows that you are listening and that repeating information can also make sure that you've understood them properly and they can relate to that, which could be a life saving thing. Ask about their reasons for living um, and listen to their answers. Ask if they felt like this before. And if so, ask if their feelings have changed last time and reassure that they while it might be hard right now, they will not feel like this forever. 
and encourage on them doing micro micro pieces of uh, achievements like getting through certain tasks throughout the day because that will gain momentum in order to understand that they can recover from this um, and also um, you know try and get support for you as well as an individual that's a lot of responsibility to take on um, and you need to make sure that you're also able to process and decompress after what is a, a very you know life or death situation um, uh, what can I just to kind of state what won't help I think I may be stating the bleeding obvious here but don't try and find an easy solution don't mm. tell them to cheer up pull themselves together man up snap out of it don't change the subject don't tell them they have no reason to feel like that tell them don't tell them they should be grateful for having a great life and tell them they're being silly right it's about empathy it's about understanding it's about creating a connection in order for them to get value back in the life that they have and i think that um, it's often a plea for help so treat it like that and make sure that you always take it seriously um, to keep them safe don't leave them on their own keep talking to them get that professional help and ensure that they create a safety plan and remove items that they can end their life with as well. And again, all of this is referenceable in our booklet, which you can download for free. Mm, yeah, thank you. And of course, um, the charity is, is set up as, as we've obviously been talking about um, in, in Laura's memory. How, how do you see her legacy kind of looking like? Um, so it's, it's, it's a great question and, and sometimes it becomes a bit emotional. Um, you know, I think categorically we would give all of this up <laughs> to have a back, right? I, yeah. I, I, I know it sounds selfish, but that, that's, that's unfortunately the way that I certainly feel. And I know that a member of our family would be. Yeah. But I think when we hear feedback like you saved our life, I didn't think there was anybody else that would care for me. You understand my situation. I'm now on the road to recovery. This helps make sense that Laura's sacrifice has been able to help many, many other people. And I and I, I genuinely believe that she is looking down at some point to say there is positive that I've uh, come out of this situation. And uh, and and I know that it's instigated our family, other people that we've helped on board within the charity and other people that we've helped support with the charity to change a massive, massive problem that is out there at the moment. So um, Laura's, Laura's legacy will always be, you know, make sure that no one has barriers to go and get support. Make sure that somewhat you're treating people like human beings and not a statistic. Treat people with the respect that they would treat them with others and ensure that that shame, stigma, uh, of going to ask for help and feeling like you're you're not letting people down um, is is something that is a long-standing piece. And look, you know, I say this a lot. If we can prevent one person going through what Laura went, job done. Because mm -hmm. we are dealing with a matter of life or death here. And 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 without sounding too morbid, um, we we need to ensure that um, the pain. Uh, the suffering and the grief that we experience and continue to experience with Laura is not experienced by anybody else. And, uh, and, and, and seeing the help that we're providing to others and that feedback is a way of our family um, processing Laura's uh, situation and our own grief. 
Well, thank you very much for sharing that. I appreciate that. That is a, a difficult and emotional question to, to answer as well. But hopefully it, it, it will help some other people hearing you say that. Um, in terms of the, the resources and things that you mentioned, um, where can they find that? Just just on the kind of homepage of, of your website? Yeah, so, um, yeah, our website, laurahydefoundation.org, um, lots and lots of material on there. Um, there are pieces around Laura. There are pieces around getting help, um, which is obviously our main support service hub. I would actively encourage uh, people to check that out, certainly if they want to know more about that support level. Uh, what we do, um, there's a lot of resources on there that you're able to download free of charge. Um, so we are very, very um, expansive with our posters and things like that that we see up in staff rooms. You can download these for free. Equally, uh, if you would like printed copies or you would like some of our goodies to help change that culture and start the conversation, you can get in contact with us on our, our via our website and we will we will ship those out to you free of charge and equally if you've got ideas guys you know this is a charity now whilst it's you know come from laura the amount of people that we're supporting now is 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 makes it a charity for the people that we support so i'm very very keen as a, as the trustee chair to take ideas of how we can continue our support and how we can move into other areas uh, as a way of continuing the progress that we do you know we don't know all the answers and and we we only can drive forward when we understand the experiences of the people that we want to support so you know come with ideas we all we also offer um uh funding for initiatives so people have got initiatives that believe that um that will help people then we we can provide funding to support that you know trial there is you know trial and error with these types of things we need to get things moving and and, and remove those those barriers to take up to to, to making progress so Get in touch. As long as it sticks to the law of principles, you know, we're happy and 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 that will always be the case. So we welcome anybody that wants to help us on our cause as well. But uh, more importantly, we want to make sure that anyone who can benefit from the support that we provide uh, knows where we are. Mm, definitely. And there's some people doing some extraordinary charity challenges as well, aren't there? I know you've, you've shared them on, on your social media channels as well, which is uh, yeah, great. Um, it, it never it never inspire uh, it never uh, ceases to amaze me the crazy things people do <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in the spirit of challenges. So, you know, people bog snorkeling for us. I mean, rather them than me, let's just say that. But uh, <laughs> fantastic endeavor and, and and look an amazing opportunity for for communities and bring people together after what has been a rubbish 18 months right with separation so hopefully um hopefully uh, that continues and uh, yeah we're, we're you know and people are able to see what the laura high foundation is about and and how we can help people that's fantastic well that's a, a a great note to to end on so thank you so much liam for for sparing the time to talk to us and I hope and I'm sure that um, listeners will, will gain a lot from the conversation too. Thanks, Lily, and thanks also to Nursing Standard for continuing to promote uh, well-being within the nursing community. It is appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that all the resources connected with this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on any episodes you may have missed or simply want to play back. And we greatly appreciate any feedback, so please do rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, which will also help other people to find us.